Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of Tuesdays Are for Talking. I'm your host, Nathan Brown. This week, I've got something new for you. We are introducing a new element, something we are calling a staff member spotlight. Now, we know that there's a lot of you who've connected to our church and to this podcast that maybe have never even been in the building, much less had the chance to get to know our staff here at Mosaic. So this week, next week, and then we'll drop a few more in as we go. And eventually, you're going to get the chance to know everybody on our staff. I'm really looking forward to this opportunity just to introduce you to some of my good friends who labor and toil for the sake of the gospel here at Mosaic. This week, I've got a very special inaugural episode where I'm going to introduce you to Jamie Smith. Jamie is one of our longest tenured staff people here at Mosaic. He's been on staff for a very long time, and I can't wait for you to hear his story. So let's get into it right now. Here we go. Jamie Smith, what's up, man? I am so glad to have you on today's podcast. When we first decided to start doing this staff spotlight thing, you were definitely the first person I wanted to come to. Uh, one, because I just love talking to you. But two, I think you might be the longest tenured person on our team here, aside from Pastor Brett, who we've had on uh, already at least once. We'll get him back again. But Jamie, how are you today, man? Uh, I'm doing well. It's good to be here, Nate. I appreciate you asking me to be a part of this and, and doing this. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Very good. Very good. So take us all the way back to the beginning, man. How did you find out about what is now known as Mosaic Church? Uh, the church obviously been through a few name changes since you came around, <laughs> so you can tell us what it was called then. But for those of you listening, uh, as we reference a few other names along the way, we're still talking about what you know as Mosaic Church. So w- when did you find Mosaic Church? Let's hear that story. Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, it it goes back a long, long time ago. (laughs) It was about in 2002. I was uh, a student at the UT. And it was one of those things where I just kind of, you know, you start to take kind of evaluation of your life and look around and see kind of who your friends are and what influence they have on you. And I noticed that the only friends that had, you know, really kind of meaningful and good impact and influence on me were a, a group of girls that I was pretty close with that were Christians. Um, and I grew up, you know, I would have you know, classify myself as a Christian. I kind of grew up in the church. My parents made me go to church every Sunday, you know, grew up in the Catholic church, which I'm grateful for that experience and that background and all that, but kind of just did my own thing, you know, when it wasn't a Sunday. (laughs) And, um, and so I kind of looked at them and was like, wow, they're good. But then I looked at my buddies and I'm like, and they're not as much of a good influence on me (laughs) as, uh, as, (laughs) as the other girls were. And so I remember that kind of Christmas break, that holiday break, kind of as a first prayer, you know, growing up, I prayed all kinds of prayers, kind of the recited of our father, the Hail Mary and all that. But this was kind of the first prayer I prayed that kind of came from my heart. And I said, God, give me some good men in my life. That'll be a good influence on me. Hmm. And then I came back to school that spring or that January and for the spring semester. And, um, I love playing, you know, flag football, intramural football and stuff. And I was in the gym, you know, exercising and I heard some of these guys talking and lo and hold, they drop a name of a team that's won the championship a few times in the, in the, in the league I was playing in. So I was like, huh, I want to get to know these guys. Maybe I can get on their team. And, you know, because we, we weren't doing too good. We kept losing. Okay. So I, wanted to get, I wanted to get on a winning team. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I went over to them and just kind of started talking to them. And it turned out that one of the guys working out was a cousin of a friend of mine. So I recognized him. I thought, okay, there's my, there's my kind of in. And so I just kind of went over, said hi to him and, and it turns out that they were from a, a Christian fraternity called Brothers Under Christ or Bucks. And I thought, was it that kind of an oxymoron, like a Christian fraternity? Like those things seem like opposites to me, <laughs> at least at the time. Uh, then I got to know the history of a lot of fraternities started out as, you know, Christian based back in the day. And of course, you know, things, some things have changed. But um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I was talking to those guys and they kind of welcomed me out. And I thought, hey, great. You know, these, this is kind of, you know, answer, you know, to my prayer kind of thing. 
you know, these are some cool guys, you know, love Jesus, maybe they'll be a good influence. And so, and they definitely were. And that was, you know, a piece of it. But then ironically, a few weeks later, one of those girls that I mentioned earlier, um, her name's Jane. She said, hey, why don't you come to this Bible study with me? You know, it's called VCM back in the day, which stood for Victory Campus Ministry, which nowadays we know as ENC. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so she invites me, I go. And afterwards, she introduces me to the guy that was speaking up front, which happened to be, you know, Pastor Morgan. He was leading the, the campus ministry at the time. And she said, um, hey, you know, I want you to introduce you to him. You know, we kind of talked and that and hit it off. And and uh, he said, hey, you know, why don't you, uh, you want to do a Bible study? And I thought, you know what? I've been feeling kind of guilty lately. I have, you know, I haven't really been, you know, you know, following all the rules and kind of felt guilty, you know, from my background and stuff. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds like a good idea. I'll feel better about myself. And so, uh, you know, I kind of met him. We met on a Tuesday and he uh, gave me this book to kind of go through. It's a, you know, biblical foundations book, which was, you know, one of the original versions of what we've referred to now as the, the purple book. And, um, it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? So we'll go through that. And so he's like, all right, go through the first chapter. We'll, you know, we'll meet on Tuesday and, and kind of go through it together. I thought, okay, cool. So going through the first chapter, you know, it's all fill in the blank. I'm like, okay, this is easy. You know, it just tells you what to look up. You look up, fill in the blank. I'm like, I've heard all this stuff before. And then it got to the end um, where it had some application questions where it said, hey, describe your life before you met Jesus, you know, when you met Jesus and after you met Jesus. And I thought, well, I've known Jesus all my life. Like, I'm just going to leave it blank. Um, and so <laughs> I, sh- I sh- show up on Tuesday and we're kind of going through it. And Morgan's like, hey, how come how come you left the, you know, these questions blank? And so I tell him, wow, I've, I've known Jesus all my life. He's like, OK. He's like, well, tell me what you, you know, you know, what you know about him or what that means to you. And Morgan, in a real kind of graceful and loving way, opened up my eyes to what it really meant to have a relationship uh, with Jesus. Because I knew all the facts about him. You know, I knew, you know, because I grew up in a, a Catholic school where we had religion classes. And so I studied that and I, I knew information, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. And he just opened up my eyes to what it meant to have a relationship with him. And from that day on, it totally, totally changed my life. Wow. I remember uh, just walking across campus and something felt different. I had no clue what just happened because growing up, we didn't talk about being saved or giving your heart to Jesus or anything like that. So I had no clue what had just happened to me. But I just remember walking across campus feeling feeling different. Um, there's a cool little little sub story or hidden story kind of behind that that's real meaningful to me. I love numbers. I'm a very kind of direct, you know, kind of straightforward person. I love math. I've always, you know, if you ever ask me if the movie's better than the book, I'll always tell you the movie. Um, and it's mainly because I only have one reference where I actually read the book and watched the movie, and that was Count of Monte Cristo, and I still like the movie better. I just have a hard time visualizing, although I can kind of, I'm involved and around creative people all the time, and I love creativity. For me, I have a hard time to visualize it. So I'm more of a kind of a creative engineer, like I'm creative more in a different different realm. But uh, to go back, so because of that, like I love numbers. Numbers have always stood out to me, you know, playing sports growing up. You know, my buddies called each other by our number. I was number seven in most of the sports that I played. And so they just, they didn't call me Jamie, they just called me seven. And so that was always significant to me. So, I mean, I could go on for hours to tell you all the history of the numbers, but I'll just leave it at the fact that there was three numbers that were really significant in my life in that season and now. So anytime I had to use like a three digit number, I would use the number 327. And there's a whole story behind how that number came about and why those are significant. But it was always 327. So that was my senior year in college when I met Morgan. And the beauty of that day was after Morgan had prayed for me, he kind of gave me a hug. And ironically, he said, today's your day. Today, 327. He didn't say March 27th. 
He didn't say even 327. He literally said 327. And it's like, which that's not the appropriate way to say it, but I don't even know what compelled him to do it, but I'm so wow. glad he did because it was like a, it was like a spotlight on the significance of those numbers to me. And it was like God just reaching out and saying, I know you love details. I know these are meaningful to you. And I chose this day just for you. And he's like, I got a plan, you know, trust me and don't worry about what could have been um, or anything like that. And so I'll, I'll, I'll save you all the boring details of the, of the, the two hour <laughs> history that, that leads up to those numbers. But uh but that was very meaningful to me. That is awesome, man. Well, I'm really glad to hear that part of the story. It's pretty cool. Morgan definitely, you know, rolls in the prophetic sometimes, whether he knows it or not, I think. And uh, <laughs> that's really awesome to know that was a part of your story. So so that's how you sort of really came to know Jesus instead of just knowing about Jesus. Is that maybe a fair way to say that? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's really when kind of like my relationship with him started. I talk often with people about, even in my own story, uh, sort of spending most of my life as a believer in Jesus, but only a handful of years as a follower of Jesus up to this point. I've said many times, and I know I'm quoting someone, and I can't recall who to give credit to, so my apologies, but I've never had enough faith to be an atheist. Um, you know, to me, it just takes an enormous amount of faith to look at the, the, all of creation and, and assume that that came from nowhere. But definitely, there's a difference between believing that God exists, believing that Jesus is his son, and then saying, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. So, man, talk through what, what sort of things really began to change in your life and your heart and maybe the desires of your heart and that sort of thing as you move from just being a, a believer to being a follower. That's a great way to put it. I love the the, the verbiage you used there because that, that does definitely describe me of you know going from not just believing but also to following. The most significant thing that changed probably in my life was kind of a change kind of in my heart and in my head about who I was. Um, Cause before that I would struggle with kind of insecurities and lack of confidence and not really knowing who I was and also kind of like loneliness. I grew up in kind of a, a mix of stuff where I was always like, I grew up, you know, love sports, played every sport I could. I go from one season to the next football, basketball, baseball, throw in some soccer in there in between and then play um, pretty much whatever I could track, loved it all. Didn't like to sit still. So it was great for me to just go from one to the next one. When I was a kid, people used to ask me what my favorite sport was and always depending on what season it was, <laughs> which exactly. I, one I can currently play is my favorite. <laughs> but because of that, like I always was around people. I had a lot of friends in the schools I grew up in, you know, the athletes were typically the popular ones, but because I was also kind of a nerd and smart, I also kind of was that other extreme as well. So I never really fit into one category. And because of that, like I had good, I had great friends growing up, but because I never fit into one category, there was always this loneliness kind of behind the scenes that was there that, you know, I can never really put my finger on until like it was gone. Like until I met Jesus and I realized like, Oh, that's what it was Wow, all those years because he, he kind of filled that void by telling me this is exactly who I made you. And so that, that was one of the biggest things that changed is kind of my identity. And, and because of really knowing who I was and who he designed me to be, and also knowing that I'm, that I'm his, that I'm not just here kind of randomly and that he's got a purpose for me. A lot of those things really just changed my confidence like I didn't growing up and all that, I didn't have, you know, a whole lot of confidence, you know, in myself. But once I realized this is who he made me to be, it's amazing how much my confidence, you know, shot. And not kind of a, in, a, in an arrogant way or like a, you can't tell me what to do or you can't tell me who I am or who I'm not. It's just, it's kind of in a, if, if a quiet, but yet very strong way that my confidence kind of grew in that area. And then also a lot of my motivations and decision making kind of changed because now I had a new, a new motivation because before... I learned, 
I learned how to not get caught. So a lot of people would classify me as, as a good kid, but it's just because I never got caught doing all the stuff I wasn't <laughs> supposed to do. And I learned how to kind of set myself up for success, basically by, you know, when, when people first meet me, I give a great first impression as to I follow all the rules. And once they know that, then like my junior and senior year in high school, like I could roam the halls without a hall pass or without permission. And somebody would come up to me and ask me and I could just say anything to get out of it. Um, which I kind of felt bad for some of my buddies who like their freshman and sophomore year, they always got in trouble for talking in class. So then like their junior, senior year, even when they weren't talking, they were the ones that got blamed. And I kind of felt bad for them. For me, it was the flip-flop. Like I did everything right the first couple of years. So then I could get away with anything, you know, the last few. So I kind of learned how to do that pretty well. What changed is my motivation for doing, you know, doing the right thing or quote unquote being good wasn't just to not get caught or because of my reputation or anything like that, it was real. it became really out of a heart to love Jesus um, and to be more mm-hmm. like him. And that, uh, that shift in motivation is, is a world changer. That's really good, man. I was just thinking about that scene in Black Panther where they're fighting and then his mom yells out, tell them who you are. You know, it sounds like that. That's the kind of moment, man, that we need, you know, where, where Jesus imprints on us. And then when we face a fight, you know, you just hear the, the voice of, of your creator saying, you know, tell them who you are, show them who you are. Um, and I love that that's a part of your story. I think that almost, you know, not that I have like a litmus test for whether or not people are really saved, but if I did, that'd probably be on there, you know, <laughs> like that identity shift. I just, I don't know how you do it. It's once, once something that's created sort of comes into the hands of its creator and begins to understand what you were created for, it, it, it's a revolutionary experience. But it's eye-opening, it's Pandora's box, it's all the metaphors you can think of to kind of go, oh my gosh, this this is what you made me for. Definitely, Jamie, in, in knowing you now for, man, it's got to be like 15 years now, I guess. Obviously better and better over the years, but, I, but I've, I've known, known you and of you for the, at least that long. It's evident that you continue to walk in that. And it's one of the things that I love most about you, man. You're one of the most consistent people that I've ever met in my whole life. And I think what you just described is, is, is definitely a key ingredient in that. Obviously, you've got your own personal integrity and all of those things, but really knowing who you belong to and knowing what he made you for, I'm sure it gives you sort of that, that confidence to weather the storms as they come and go. So speaking of storms, man, so talk to us about how you got involved here at the church in a staff position. Love to, love to hear that part of your story. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, thank you for that compliment. I really appreciate that. And I do love that scene in, in Black Panther. Like just, just hearing you say it, I got goosebumps. And, like I wanted to stand up and just be like, yes, yes. So how I became a staff member at Mosaic, um, that, <laughs> that is not your, your, your typical story. So it started back in when I first started coming to the church, I told you, you know, at the beginning when I, when I met Morgan and all that. And so, you know, naturally, you know, they invited me to the church and come. And I was like, sure. And I got here. And of course I loved it. Cause like they had like a full band, like the church I grew up in. I think, you know, you had to be technically classified as a senior citizen to be in the choir at the church, which, you know, I can't sing, so I can't, I can't judge, you know, them for singing, <laughs> but I, I know numerous times, like they sang, they had good voices at least from my intake, but they sang so slow. I used to lean over to my mom and be like, can, can we speed this up? Or like, are they singing in rewind? Like it's so slow. Like can we just <laughs> get, 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 get a little faster. Um, but that was mostly just my impatience um, as, as a young person, just wanting to get it over with and get it done. But um, so, you know, coming in here and having a live band and the music, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I was blown away. 
But of course, they were singing a whole bunch of songs I'd never heard of before. And so fortunately, the, you know, they put the lyrics on the screens in there, um, which also having projection screens in a church was new for me. Um, but they put the lyrics on the screens. I thought, this is great. And so I'm trying to sing along. And unfortunately, the, the, the person running the lyrics would get so caught up in the music that they wouldn't advance the slides for the lyrics coming up. So I was constantly lost and, <laughs> and I'm not the most rhythmic person. So people were clapping to the beat. So I'm trying to sing and clap and, and the words aren't up there. And so I was just, I'd get confused and I couldn't really <laughs> participate. I just was like, okay. And so one Sunday I just walked back there and, and said hi to the person, you know, running it and said, Hey, is there anything I can do to help? And she said, well, yeah, do you know anything about computers? And of course, computers are kind of my background. I love computers. I was studying electrical engineering at the time at UT. And I was like, yeah, I know a little bit about computers. And she said, great. Do you want to kind of run this and run the lyrics? Um, it's like, sure. And of course, at the time, it was just white letters on a black background because she didn't know how to change anything. She just, she was doing it because nobody else would do it and because she loved music. And so she volunteered to do it. And I'm so grateful for her for, for doing that. I love people like that. Yes. And I love people like you who come and make it better. <laughs> And so I came in, I started tinkering around with the software, realizing, oh, the software can do this. We can add an image. Oh, we can add a video background. Oh, can, is it okay if I do this? Like, Great. Yeah, you just do what you do. And so I started kind of volunteering doing that and would do that pretty much every Sunday, um, just because I was used to going to church on Sundays. And so I show up every Sunday and um, I like to be involved. I don't like to sit still. So I'd go back there and help her out. And, um, and that just kind of became the normal thing. And then she ended up... Um, going, um, leaving to go to like to culinary school, I think in another state. And she's like, Hey, you do this pretty much every Sunday anyway. Do you just want to take it over? And I'm like, okay, sure. So I would just show up every Sunday, ask the band what songs they're singing, put them in. Sometimes I'd type songs on the fly. So ironically, it's funny that I, you know, was serving in that area because I'm notorious for being the person who gets all the lyrics wrong to a song. Um, I'll be singing and even songs that I've been corrected and told the right lyrics, it's just the wrong lyrics stick in my head. <laughs> and so Candace all the time be like, uh, babe, that's, you realize that's not the lyrics to the song that you're singing. I'm like, oh, really? They're not? Or I'll listen to a song 50 times and not even know what the song's about. I just like the way it sounds. And so it's ironic that I was the guy running the lyrics for the band <laughs> at the time. So yeah, so I just continued to do that. Um, love doing it. Um, I've always wanted, you know, I love music, but music ironically was one of those things I had zero skill at and zero talent. And so typically things that I wasn't good at, I didn't want to be involved in. It's like, eh, I don't like that. I'm not good at it. I'll go find something I'm good at. But music was always one of those things that intrigued me. So it was kind of cool being able to run the lyrics and kind of feeling like I was a, you know, a part of the band, kind of like an extra instrument. And so I've learned a lot just kind of being around, you know, musicians and the creativity, which I love. And, um, and just like, I could probably spout off a lot of musical terms, but not really tell you what they mean because I've heard them so many times. <laughs> I love how, you, how you've how you sort of taken to that, though, because as someone who's been a worship leader for a long time, I, I, I honestly, like, I always felt like the person running the lyrics was like the second most influential worship leader in the room, and at times the first, sort of depending on, on the moment. But it's like, it's either the person leading the song or the person putting up the lyrics. You know, it's like 1A, 1B, uh, depending on the moment. And it's really, really hard to find people who really see that role uh, at that level of importance. Um, and I, I remember, you know, the first few times I got involved in the team, I, I remember meeting you and having a conversation with you. And you basically said something along those lines, like uh, I see it as my job to help be a, an extra band member, an extra worship leader, something along those lines. And I just thought to myself, like, this guy gets it, you know, <laughs> that's so awesome. You know, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, yeah, it is totally true. Like, 
it, it is significant. And that's, I mean, the significance of it is what kind of got me in that role because I was distracted by it. <laughs> and so one of the things, you know, that I would try to do early on that I would like, train, you know, the people that were working with me and I was like, Hey, our job is to kind of remove distractions and to add value, you know, to what's happening up on stage. So that way God really can, good. you know, touch people's hearts and move, um, in the area and that. And so one way to remove an easy distraction is to have the appropriate lyrics up there at the right time when no typos and no grammatical mistakes. And, you know, all those details, you know, some people won't even notice them. Great. But for the people that do, I don't want them to be distracted by it. So it, it makes a difference. Um, and that's just, that's true in all the seemingly minute things that we do. Sometimes they f- feel minuscule, but God has a way of utilizing those for his glory and to touch people and to speak to people in ways you might not even ever realize or imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess to continue the story. So I started running the lyrics and doing that. And then I kind of teamed up with one of the, the ladies at the church uh, named Crystal. So Crystal, if you're listening to this, shout out. I miss you. Hope you're having a great time in Nashville. I uh, love you. But she was a super creative type. I mean, she had creative ideas just seem like they were endless and she's a great director and that and so we kind of tag uh, teamed up because somebody had it's kind of funny how it happened she was actually writing a play that we're going to do for christmas time called scrooged and um, super creative but she needed somebody to edit audio and i actually edited video and knew nothing about audio but somehow in and whoever relayed the message to her that kind of got miscommunicated or whatever so she's like oh i hear you edit and i'm like yeah i do i'm assuming video she's assuming audio she's like i got a project if you want to you know help with and so you know i went over there to help her with the project and she told me what it was i thought oh i've never done that before all right let's give it a shot <laughs> and so i ended up kind of chopping up the, the music for her and the audio and and was able to do it and then we kind of started talking more and realizing oh, I can do video. And she's like, really? I'd love to start making videos. So we kind of tag teamed on that and just started making videos for the church for different needs, for different events, like retreats or stuff like that. We'd make some funny spoof videos and just really whatever creative ideas came, whatever the church needed at the time, if they needed like a little promo video for something or whatever. Uh, And we had tons of fun doing it. But of course, you know, making videos takes a lot of time. And so it was interesting, like my intention was never to work for for a church at all. Um, Like I love the ministry and serving, but you know, as a job, that was never my intention or motivation. But the more we got involved and the more videos we started making and doing stuff, it's just the hours kind of grew. And at the time I was a student in school, actually, I think this might've been shortly after I graduated, but so I was studying electrical engineering at UT and my senior year just kind of realized, you know, I don't want to be stuck in the technology all the time. Like I want to be able to pull back and be able to interact with people. So I don't know if necessarily if this is, you know, the right, you know, route for me, but it's like, it's my senior year. So I was like too late to change your degree. <laughs> like, you don't want to change your major that late in the game. So like, I'll just finish this out and then, um, you know, see from there. And so I was kind of on this journey of figuring out what, you know, what God wanted me to do. And at the time I was working for a print shop because I wanted to learn more about the print industry and that. And so it was a local one here in Austin and I was working for them. So I was working for them full time and then volunteering, doing this stuff, you know, with the video stuff with Crystal and the lyric stuff and just kind of kept volunteering more and more where it almost became like a full-time volunteer job and a full-time, you know, job working. And then, um, Pastor Ray at the time was our lead pastor and he loved the creative arts and doing the creative stuff. He's like, I want to do more of this. And he found out that, you know, Crystal and I would be up to like two, three in the morning editing videos and stuff. And he's like, nah, I don't like that. (laughs) He's like, what if we just hire you on? I was like, okay, what does that mean? Like I had no, I had no idea what it was, even the concept of like working for a church, like what that meant. And so I was like, sure. I mean, it seems logical. Why not? So kind of made the shift and started working. And so literally my job description when I first started was literally to make graphics and videos for Sunday services. 
was was all was all there there was that was, that was your one pager huh that was it that was what they asked me to do i was like sure i could do that and of course over the years it's morphed and grown and you know shifted around and that's kind of the one things i've appreciated about it is it, it hasn't become stagnant i mean the the church is a living you know breathing thing i mean we are the church you know god breathes life into it and, and into us and and so it's it's going to change it's going to grow it's going to shift um and so it's kind of it's kind of been the adventure, one of the adventures of, of many around here, um, of kind of you know my job and all that. And so it's, at one point, people used to ask me like, you know, so what do you do at the church? I was like, well, pretty <laughs> much if it, plugs, <laughs> if it plugs, it's so hard to describe. It's like if it plugs into the wall, you know, I, I maintain it. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking back to some of those times. I mean, I wasn't here when you first started, but probably not too long thereafter. Uh, I came around in January of '05, so you've just been like man, you've been like a, a piece of glue for this church really the whole time that I've been associated with it. And, and I think that's by the heart that you have, the tenacity you have, and, and and the way that you've literally done things that made the church go as far as the things that happen inside the building, facilitating things that happen outside the building. So much is just sort of written on on your hard work, and it's been really evident and apparent the whole time. Now, now Jamie, people can't see you because this is a podcast, but for those of you uh, who have seen Jamie, you know that this is a finally man. And one of the most perplexing things to me, Jamie, was watching you be a single fine looking man for, for so long. And I kept thinking he must just have like a, you know, impossibly high standard or something because he's, he's smart. He's good looking. He loves Jesus. He's capable. He's athletic. Um, he's, he's got a, like a, a warrior's body, but a, but a teddy bear heart. Like, I mean, what else could you possibly ask for? I just sort of scratched my head. Well, someday, uh, but that someday came and, uh, we'd love to just hear a little bit about how you met your, your wife, how y'all's relationship morphed a little bit to, from what it was to what it is uh man let us hear the romance story of jamie and candace the romance story well to start off my standards were definitely high and candace exceeded every single one of them a lot of guys will use the football analogy about you know you you kicked your coverage <laughs> man, I, I, I kicked that ball out of the stadium um, so but uh yeah our story is uh um, is a good one. I like it. Um, and I'm glad it's, it's our story. And I think kind of looking back on it, I remember like when we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast and how, how specific God knew I was to numbers. Now he chose that one day for me, that kind of planted that seed that helped me get through being single. Cause you know, I didn't want to be single <laughs> for that long, but I also knew like, I didn't want to rush into something or just meet a need. I just didn't want to just kind of do something to, 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 to fill a need or to, to satisfy myself or, or for entertainment. Like that's one thing I really appreciate about this church is when I first got saved and I started doing that, like they, they had some like not dating seminars, but like we'd have like men's, men's groups or men's meetings and stuff like that. And, you know, we talk about it and on the college campus, like, you know, in our, in our small groups or community groups, we would talk about relationships and talk about what it means to have a biblical relationship. It's all that laid a good foundation to kind of know that God cares about the details in my life and he has a plan for me. So that way I could kind of weather the storm of, of, of being single for those years and kind of the ups and downs and the insecurities that could arise from that. So Candace and I met in 2002, you know, I just started coming to the church here and she had moved from Florida because, you know, God told her to, which is one of the amazing things I love about how clearly she hears God's voice and is obedient to him. And so um, she moved here um, from Florida in 2002. And when we met, we just instantly became friends. And I can remember the first time I met her, which may and probably should have been a trigger for me that eventually I'll probably like this girl, but I was, you know, dense to it at the time, you know. 
you know, guys just can be clueless. I was one of those clueless guys. But I remember we had a dance ministry at the church at the time called uh, Sold Out Dance, led by uh, one of my good friends, Lindsay White. And she was on stage dancing. And I remember they were dancing to the song Diverse City. And I can remember the outfit that Candace was wearing, which should have been a clue that, hey, <laughs> you might like this girl. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing her. And of course, she was one of the, you know, the best dancers up there. And so my eyes went right to her and I thought, oh, she seems pretty cool. Um, and then we had similar friends. And so we ended up meeting shortly after that and just kind of hung out and became good friends. And, um, you know, in college, you know, a lot of people hang out together. So we spent plenty of time together and it was great kind of getting to know each other in kind of that group context because it wasn't like I was just me. She was just her. So there was never really any fluff for pretending to be like, I never felt like I had to impress her. Um, and all that kind of set a good foundation for later on, which was years later, almost a, a decade later, because we were friends for over a decade before I actually started dating. Um, and I think a lot of other people saw it long before we did. Um, cause people, when we started dating, everybody's like, ah, we saw that coming. What took you so long was the common response that I would get. And even at that, I remember one of my good friends was running sound one day when I was running the, the lyrics and all that. And he kind of leaned over and he's like, he basically pointed out, cause we used to have a, a choir and Candace was in the choir. And he's like, you know, I think that one right there, I think, I think y'all, y'all, y'all are going to get together. And I was like, whatever, we're just friends, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, Russell, you don't know what you're talking about. We're just friends. Um, and, and then years later, um, you know, just continue that friendship, which is really great. But the one of the eye-opening moments um, to me was like when we would get here Sunday, we'd have Sunday morning rehearsal beforehand, and you know we'd pray as a team before a rehearsal, and um, and you know we, you greet everybody in the morning, and you know you kind of give the good Christian side hug, you know, and then you know do that thing and say hi to everybody, and then we pray, and I remember. One Sunday when Candace was out of town, I told everybody good morning. Everything's going normal. And after I finished telling everybody good morning, I kind of realized like, man, I'm, something's missing. Mm. And I realized she's out of town. I was like, man, I, I miss her, her her good morning hug. And I thought, oh, no, I think I like this girl. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. It's like, what do we do now? <laughs> so that was kind of the, the pivotal moment for me um, where kind of got, you know, God kind of opened up my eyes and, you know, opened up my heart to really, you know, what he had in store um, uh, for that. So that's, that's how, how, how we met. That is so great. And you guys are, are both tremendous people and we're really blessed to have you both in our church. Candace is, is one of the, the funnest and yet most serious, uh, person I've ever met. I mean, she's like both, like who's one of the most serious, you know, people you've ever met. Candace, this is one of the funnest person you've ever met. Candace, I mean, she just she has both gears like on tap, and I absolutely love that about her. And really, you're the same way. I mean, you guys have share that that trait in common that you know you can be you know deadly serious about things that that you need to be, and you can flip a switch and have a great time and really lead other people in and out of both of those experiences that life throws at us so well. You guys are wonderful together, and you have how many how many kids now, Jamie? For those who uh, we have two, well, we have. Um uh, two here on earth and we got two, two in heaven. We've had two, two miscarriages. Um, mm. I can tell you a little bit more, um, about that too. Cause that's one of the, um, been probably one of the most challenging things, but also one of the closest we felt to God kind of moments in our life. But our two little boys that are, that are here on earth with us are blaze and James and they're two and three in November. They'll both be three and four. So they're 12 months and 12 days apart. And yes, people look at us like we're crazy, but we're like, that's, hey, that's what God hadn't planned for us. So then James came along. So they're 12 months and 12 days apart, which the number 12 is significant for me. So that even is another moment where God said, hey, 
I love you. And this is one way I can speak your love language. I love you. Um, I'm in this man. Wow. Yeah. That is really good. Now you guys had some real challenges as well. And you know, you referenced having two children that are not present with you on earth. Uh, obviously that's a, that's, that's a circumstance that many people have found themselves in and many people grapple with sort of how to process all of that. Talk to us if you don't mind a little bit about what that experience was like for you and Candace and, and how you, you came through that and how you look at that now today on the other side of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely heartbreaking and very hard. And it still can be at times when I think about it, but there's also a lot of hope and a lot of life in it. And so we got pregnant. Uh, I can't remember the exact timeline, but it was soon after we got married because that was also one of the things too, is like I had a, you know, kind of a two-year plan of, hey, let's be married for two years and kind of set a good foundation and then we'll start having kids. Um, But then through our premarital counseling that we went through with, you know, Galen and Simone, it was kind of they asked all the right questions without even knowing they're asking the right questions, but it kind of opened up the door for God to kind of, you know, touch on my heart to realize, Hey, I'm just trying to control the situation. Like, you know, and he's, he was asking me, he's like, do you trust me? And, and he is. And, and for people that, you know, have different, you know, birth plans or stuff like that, or like use contraception, like all that stuff is good and great. It just, that was the one thing God was pushing and pressing on in our life is like, are you willing to trust me in this area? And so we said, yeah, so we'll, we're not going to do anything to try to control the situation. We'll just trust you. So we ended up getting pregnant shortly after we got married. It was actually uh, Candace's first Mother's Day. I believe it was May 8th, which since it's Mother's Day, it was a Sunday. So I was, you know, working that day. And we actually went, you know, she came to church and we were going to go out after, you know, after the, the service and celebrate Mother's Day. And her mom was with us and, um, and her sister was with us. And so we were in the car about to go eat. And she didn't feel too well and something just wasn't right. And we ended up stopping off at Target to, to pick something up. I can't remember. And I'll never forget the moment and the look on her face. Um, like she came out of the bathroom and just she looked she looked like a ghost. Like I was walking down the aisle kind of by the cash registers to meet her. And she just she looked like a ghost, just like a blank look on her face and just devastated. And I had no clue what was happening. And I went up to her and gave her a hug. And she's like, he's gone he's gone. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't get it. What, what, what? And she's like, the baby's gone. She's like, I think I just had a miscarriage. And my heart just dropped in that moment. Um, I had no clue what to do, what to say. And then we went straight to the ER after that to kind of have her checked out, make sure everything was okay. And it was just, it was the oddest, weirdest, most heartbreaking feeling. And I hope nobody ever has to go through it. It was tough, but even even in that heartache and those moments, God still showed up. And I'll never forget, we were sitting there when the doctor kind of came back to confirm that we had a full miscarriage. Um, and Candace was sitting on the bed and I was holding her hand. And, and she said, she looked at me, she's like, can we name them? And I was like, of course we can. And she's like, hold on a second. <laughs> and this is this is one of the beauties of, of how I love how Candace and God talk to each other. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to ask God what his name should be. And I was like, okay. And so I just sat there holding her hand and, and she came back and she said, his name's Charlie. And I was like, do you know what? I like that. I, I, I think it's good. And it was funny because in the conversation with God, God told her his name was Charles. And she's like, I don't like that. What else? 
<laughs> and he said, okay, how about Charlie? And she's like, I like, I like Charlie. Um, and so that was his name. That was Charlie. And afterwards we looked it up, what Charlie means. Cause you know, names are meaningful to us and Charlie means free man. And we're like, yep, that's it. He was, he was free. He didn't have to enter this world. He's free up in heaven with Jesus. And, um, and that, that was God's plan. And we can, we can find hope and trust in that. We, we terribly miss Charlie and we still celebrate him, um, and talk to him. But, but we know that that was, he served his purpose and Mm. we can be proud, proud of that and proud parents. And we can't wait to, we're in heaven one day where we get to see him and hug him and, and just tell him how much we, we love him. So, so that was a, was a hard moment, but God continued to show up and it was super meaningful in the ways that he showed up. And, you know, once we got home, it was still a heartache and, and heartbreak and trying to process that. And um, fortunately, we had a good community around us. We had some great friends that unfortunately had gone through a similar circumstance. So, I mean, we called them up and asked them, how do we process this? We don't know what to do. This just, this sucks. We don't like this. We hate this. Like, yeah. um, and then they, they helped walk us through it. Um, so it was, it was super meaningful to have them, have them there by our side to walk us through, walk us through that. Um, although we would never want that to happen to anybody and we wished it didn't happen to us we're still grateful um for for all the circumstances around it and the fact that it happened and and what god how god showed up in it that is a beautiful and terrible story and i'm sorry that you guys had to had to walk through that not once but twice and uh yeah jamie i'm sorry that's that's tough man Obviously knew knew about that, but uh, just to hear you tell it, my heart goes out to you all and to to anyone in that in that situation. Obviously, y'all have uh, continued on and you know faithfully following and trusting Jesus with your life in the midst of of, of a lot of different hardships that you've had to face, and your resiliency is something both to, to be admired and and really it's a standard for other people to kind of look at and say, man, if Honestly, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, if you, if you need some people to aim for, you're listening to one of them right now. So thank you, man. Jamie, you and Candace. So man, let's just uh, try to try to bring us forward to where we are right now. So we've been in an interesting season here at the church since the novel coronavirus COVID-19 hit. And obviously we had to sort of fundamentally change the, the operations of the church in a very substantial way. And you've been involved in that. You've kind of bounced around. You've done a handful of jobs here at the church. And in some ways, some things have come full circle, but it probably also feels like somebody hit the button of nitrous oxide and blasted you faster and further than probably you were expecting to go. So tell 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 everybody, man, what has the last four months of your life uh, on staff been like? <laughs> Uh, it's definitely been interesting making all the adjustments and changes. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a quick, a quick turn. Um, kind of reminds me of the story that Morgan shared in the past of him, him driving a, f- a wave runner and that, and, you know, throwing Jude off or throwing himself off and all that. It's like, I feel like we turned, we had to turn sharp and I barely, barely hung on to that. Thing. I felt like it was just, just flying off, but it's been interesting. I mean, like you said, it's almost come full circle. So I used to do a lot of the production stuff you mentioned earlier, you know, I did lyrics and all that, but more recently we'd kind of shifted my role to be more of an IT focus because as the church has grown, the IT needs have grown. And so I was focusing on that and, and started doing less of the production stuff. 
Um, but now that, you know, the production workload, you know, kind of shot up and, and rose dramatically, we decided to kind of shift my focus, you know, back to some of that stuff and filming the services and filming the elements and putting it all together, um, which I've enjoyed. It's been a while since I've kind of done some editing and done some filming, but it, you know, feels good to kind of be back in that, that realm. And then also, you know, we set up a new system to, to, so we'd have the capability of kind of live streaming, a true live stream, you know, once we open up the doors and people are back in the building so that way we can continue the great experience online that everybody's become accustomed to. And that way too, to realize like, I mean, we are the church, like the, the church isn't just the building. So the ministry doesn't happen just within the, the walls of the church. And that's clear in this season now. Um, and so I'm excited about kind of continuing continuing that and continuing to have, you know, the online services, even when we do open back up and be able to gather, which I'm so looking forward to being able to gather with everybody and hug everybody and see everybody together without masks on and all that stuff. So I'm super hopeful for, for when that day comes. Um, but look forward to continuing, you know, the ministry that we have online and a lot of our friends that have a part of our family that have moved away to other States and other cities, they can, still be kind of a little bit more connected, um, being able to, to join in with our online experiences. So I'm super excited about that. But yeah, it has been a, a big shift kind of in work schedule. Of course, that's true for everybody with, you know, working at home and, you know, the, the quarantine and um, shelter in place situations and all that stuff. So it's been a big shift, but I'm glad of to how we've handled it and all the adjustments we've made. Yeah. And, and along the way, like, in, in this new way of doing church and quarantine, you've had to kind of build a new team as well. Tell us a little bit about that and maybe name drop some of the folks that are serving with you. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had to build a new kind of camera crew and live production team. And two of the guys that kind of from the jump were super helpful with that was uh, Javier and Joey. And both of them have experience and they're really good at what they do. Javier has a lot of experience with live production. Um, and he's just, he's a smart dude, man. He knows the equipment and he knows how it works. And Joey has a lot of experience in kind of the, the video production aspect of it and lighting and cameras and lenses and, and all that stuff and just making something look beautiful. Um, if you saw the, um, uh, the music video we did for the the song that that our team wrote, um, "Beautiful Body of Christ." Joey put that put that thing together um, with filming and lighting and all that stuff and editing. Uh, so he's he's a rock star, um, and so definitely appreciate their help, kind of getting the framework and setting the ground and answering all the questions and all the hours of research and all the hours of you know meetings and putting stuff together and installing. Like I'm so grateful, so grateful for their help. Of course, beyond that too, we have other people. You know, got some great camera operators. You know, Gregory. Uh, Jacobs has really stepped up and been super, super helpful in filming for us and getting some great shots. And, you know, he's probably one of the most reliable, reliable dudes I know. I'm so grateful to work with him. And then Quincy, Quincy's been with us too as one of the camera operators from the beginning. Um, and so, yeah, super excited. And we got some new people too that, you know, weren't, you know, weren't um, doing kind of that stuff. They had to kind of, because we got a new system and new volunteer positions and we got some new people that kind of, you know, jumped into some new roles. Like uh, we needed uh, directors and we had one uh, uh, Jack Stevens kind of jump in and really take that and do a great job. And, you know, it's one of Pastor Morgan's sons, but that's not why he's in this role. He did it because he's just a great kid and wanted to serve. And um, he loves technology like I do. And he's a good mix of being creative and that. So I love like working with him and seeing how technically he just picks up the equipment. Um, but then he can look at the shots and be like, be able to capture the beauty and know when to switch the, switch the cameras and stuff. So love working, love working with Jack. He's a great kid. One of the, you know, the students in our, our ministry and grateful for the whole team. And there's plenty of other people involved, yeah, but I know I can't just kind of, you know, tell, tell you about all of them right now because, um, but I re really, really wish I could cause I'm so grateful for all of them. 
Well, Jamie, if people are listening to this and they think, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I might like to be involved in that. Is, is there is there room on your team for a few more? And maybe if so, tell folks what they need to do to get involved in the production team here at Mosaic. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we definitely got room. We definitely need more camera operators. And if you're interested in directing and stuff like that, easiest way is just email me. That's jamie at mosaicchurchaustin.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at mosaicchurchaustin.com. And just email me. Let me know you're interested and we'll, we'll take it from there. That's fantastic. Jamie, we could sit here and talk for quite a while, and I really appreciate your time. I know you're actually in between filming today, actually. We're recording this on a Thursday. You you taped the the sermon earlier and a few more elements to do this afternoon. So I'm sure you have work to do, and we'll let you get back to it. But man, thank you so much for just your vulnerability, your candor, and your transparency here on our podcast today. I know our listeners are going to really enjoy getting to know Jamie Smith and a whole new level. Thanks for being with us on Tuesdays and for talking, man. Thanks, Nathan. I appreciate it. It was a joy. Just get to hang out with you and, and chat. And so I appreciate you. And I feel honored that you that you chose me uh, to do this. And it was a lot of fun. We're glad to have you, man. Take care, buddy. Love you. Love you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.